0: Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome Standard to Text Talk. your armor on. stand firm, everyone.
1: Rest your Hello, I'm Peyton.
0: Hello, Edwin. We can finally start talking. <laughs> Although nobody else is going to hear that 10 seconds of silence that we didn't know what to do, because <laughs> I will cut that out.
1: Good idea. Glad <laughs> like to have you, you here. just with leave us. it in just for a laugh. <laughs> yeah,
0: maybe so. <laughs> Glad to have you here with us today as we're kicking off a new week in James. We're going to be reading James chapter two. I know Andrew will get to be in on the conversations a couple day this week, but I appreciate you kicking the week off with me here in James chapter two.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. James two is great.
0: And it's a fantastic little book. It's a great chapter. Would you please read for me the first seven verses there in your English Standard Bible?
1: Yes, I can. James chapter two, one through seven. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you've dishonored the poor men. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you? Are they not the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called?
0: I want us to hear this in a context, and certainly in the context within the letter itself, but the context that I believe the letter is written into. I know that there's disagreement about this. I talked with this about uh, with Andrew last week. My perspective on the book of James is that we are dealing with an audience of Christians who had been in Jerusalem, in the main, and due to the persecution, they had been driven out, and now the gospel is taken by that into all of the known empire as these jewish christians have gone over the empire a diaspora if you will a kind of a second diaspora now of the christians instead of just the jews themselves and they've gone into all these cities but of course by the very nature of that They have left their homes. They've left their livelihoods. They're having to start over. They're going to be poor. They're going to be the lower class. Now, they're certainly going to be trying to draw in others into the kingdom. They're going to be trying to draw others into the congregations where they are. And yet, in the main, the people that James is going to be writing to are going to be poor. Mm-hmm. And so now we're seeing some of the practicalities the pragmatic approach of growing up a church now that these who have been driven from their homes have made it to other cities, they're starting over, they're now trying to evangelize and draw folks in, inviting people into their assemblies. I think that's obviously happening because that's why people would show up in these assemblies. They're inviting folks in. Yeah. And now we have a picture of of someone who is wealthy coming into the assembly and someone who is also poor coming into the assembly and the way the folks would deal with the people who have come into the assemblies and there's a disparity in how they're dealing with them so i want us to make sure that we have that context in mind i think that's i think that's the group of people that james is writing to here in this letter and so he talks to us a little bit about judging
1: mm-hmm.
0: have you heard people talk about judging
1: Yes, I have quite a few times. <laughs> what,
0: what do people always tell us about judging?
1: Matthew seven, don't judge, don't judge, judge anyone. N-
0: that's right. Judge not, lest you be judged. Because of course, if you judge, what's going to happen to you?
1: You're going to be judged.
0: You will be judged with the measure, or with the judgment that you pronounce. It will be measured back to you. Mm-hmm. We stay in that passage, and of course, there's there's some indication of just dealing with hypocrisy in that passage. However, James, who is now commenting on the Sermon on the Mount, there's no doubt that he is anchored in the Sermon on the Mount, as well as other teaching from Jesus. He's anchored in the prophets, he's anchored in wisdom, all of that is coming together in this letter. Certainly. Now he comes back to judging. What does he claim is judging right here in this
1: paragraph? Judging people according to social class. Okay. And how does it come out? He's like, he just lays out a situation where you've got a poor man, you've got a rich man, they both come in, and you... Respect one, kind of demean the other, mm. just based on how they look.
0: Okay. Yeah, how they look, how they're dressed. Mm-hmm. Why would someone give preference to the wealthy and the rich?
1: Well, here, <laughs> they're poor Christians. They need money. Okay. It's, I don't think it's hard to imagine, oh, I've got some rich people here. You know, they could really help our church out. Yeah. These poor people what are they going to add they They probably just drain our funds too, so let 's sit them in our back let 's make them not want to come back again <laughs> yeah
0: I, do- I you know I doubt anyone's ever saying let 's make them not want to come back again yet at the same time they're like, uh, eh, I mean, if they didn't mm,
1: we wouldn't mind too much <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean
0: but that rich guy yeah we, we he needs to we we need to show him honor, we need to show him preference because he he needs to come back mm-hmm. and I do think that one of the things that happens, I think it happens with churches today, is that we give the social equity to those who have financial equity. To those, who, so those who have the financial capital, we give the social capital, I guess is the way I'm wanting to say it, that we see those who are wealthy, they're typically respected by the community, huh. they're looked up to, they are helpful, and if they come in here, we will be respected by the community we will be looked up to. We will no longer be considered the outcasts. I mean, maybe I'm still poor, but when I'm able to hang on to this rich man, and if we're able to get a few more of those in here, then the community around will know that even if they disagree with us, at least we're not crazy. At least we're not outcasts. At least we're not ridiculous. Because look at these very respectable people who have now become a part of this.
1: Yeah, and that's a really good point. And I don't don't want to jump the gun too much. But I think what James is revealing, and maybe, maybe implicitly here, but James continually brings up this idea of rich and poor throughout mm-hmm. his letter, multiple mm-hmm. times. Um, and of course, we could look through the letter and see that. Back in chapter one, he talks about this rich um, rich people who will fade away in their pursuits and they'll be humiliated in that way. And he talks about the poor people um, who will be glorified through these trials. And so he continues to bring up these thoughts throughout the letter. One of the things I think this reveals here in, in this particular section is that this is how strong the hold of wealth can be on us. You know, 1 Timothy chapter 6 warns us that the love of money is the root of all evil. Um, back in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says that you can love God or you can love money. Mm. <laughs> You've got to make a choice. Yeah, you can't you're not serve love both, both masters. I think this is indicating how strongly this can have a hold on people, people today. Um, that it can hold on to you in the sense that you may not be pursuing money yourself, but you're you're showing deference to someone else in order to get money. Mm. And that's how such a stronghold and these were Christians. these were people in the gospel. these were people um, to be following Jesus. it It gets a hold on them. That seems to be what's happening here. We need to be careful. I,
0: I recognize that today we're in a little bit. We're in a largely different cultural setting. Mm -hmm. The fact is, I look at my congregation that I'm a part of, and I think it's relatively standard across America. Uh Uh, Maybe for size, we're a little bit bigger, but for the most part, I I think it's made up of mostly middle-class Christians, Mm -hmm. which we tend to see ourselves as neither really poor or really rich. Now, we all all talk about how poor we are, because we compare (laughs) ourselves to those who are really rich, but we can all look around and recognize that there are plenty who are far worse off than we are. We're we're mostly middle class. <clears throat> we are not these poor people who have left hearth and home, who have abandoned livelihood, and therefore could really use some financial stimulation. We're doing pretty okay. As long as we just maintain our good Christian work ethic and our good Christian financial stewardship, we're going to be fine. Uh-huh. But boy, it sure would be nice if we had those wealthy people come in and the poor people who come in, Man, they're going to drain what little we have. I mean, we—I get it. We've got more than them, but you know, I've got more than them because I've made really good choices. And if they had made really good choices like me, they would be better off. This is this is all completely their fault. Yeah. But uh, boy, look at the really really good choices all those rich, wealthy people have made. Wish I was more like them. And it and it ends up being that deferential, um, and it's judging. Uh-huh. It's judging. He here's. That's the thing that James calls it. I, I want us to recognize that as he pulls Jesus' teaching about judging, he brings it to this idea of looking at people based upon how much like me they are, especially when it comes to finances.
1: And and he says they're judges with evil thoughts. Evil thoughts. Like it's it's not that. Oh, these are kind of innocent thoughts. No, these are evil thoughts. This, mm. this is not a good form of judging. Whatever this might be.
0: I, I think this happens very often. I've done it. I've done it. When, when I see folks come in and I, and I recognize a person in financial need, I just, Oh, you know, Oh no, we're going to have all this work to do. Oh no, we're going to have all they, they're, they're probably, they probably just want money. They probably just want money. That's probably why they're here. they I, I get it. There are people both wealthy and poor that have had bad motives that we've had to deal with. I know that, but to have that first thought of seeing someone who is poor and assuming that the only reason they've shown up is because they hope this church will help them financially and, oh no, it's going to be a drain on what resources we have, James, man, he calls that out pretty... I mean, this is hard. I I don't even like talking about this because I can see in myself how often I have violated this.
1: Yeah, and I think if we're just drawing this out a little more, James isn't saying that absolutely every single poor person is going to be fit for the kingdom, nor is he saying every rich person won't be. But he is saying, hey, by and large, this is what the poor people are going to be like. They're generally going to be heirs of the kingdom. And, and of course, that references back to what Jesus said, that the blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I might might tweak that a little bit. I'm not sure that he's
0: saying the poor will generally be heirs of the kingdom, but maybe that the heirs of the kingdom will generally be poor. Okay. I I I think that's more accurate. the, 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 The idea, we do know Jesus says it's hard for the wealthy. Yep. To enter the kingdom. Mm-hmm.
1: Sorry, go ahead. No, you're, you're good. So one of the things, things I think this calls out is that we need to examine who are we accepting into our lives? Are we accepting in people who will make our lives better? Who are, who we think will? Um, or are we accepting in people that are otherwise poor, that don't seem on the outside to maybe have something that we can make us better, but could very likely be rich in faith, mm. heirs of the kingdom, you know, we might have to change the way we look at this because on the surface, I could see someone who's poor, who doesn't, who isn't dressed as nice as I am, who just maybe doesn't even seem intelligent. That's, that in itself is a judgment. I have no idea. Yeah. But I could think, you know, James says it's very likely that these people, it's often the poor who are like this, who are rich in faith, heirs of the kingdom. I have no idea. But if I begin to change my perspective on that, so that can be very helpful. Very often, if
0: I have a worldly mindset, I want to rub elbows with those who are rich and powerful and influential. Mm-hmm. And if we're not careful, we allow our churches to be like that. We want this church to be full of people who are rich and powerful and influential. Again, it allows our church to have a level of respect in the greater community that even if folks will disagree with us and not be a part of the church, at least they won't look down on us and, and they'll, that you know, hey, that's that's a good church. Um, But when I have a Christ-like mindset, I I want people who want to serve the Lord around me, whether wealthy or poor. But the the driving factor is, am I going to love the Lord? Am I uh, going to be pursuing faith in Jesus Christ? The issue is not about the financial capital that they have, that they bring. And the world is going to look down on that. The world is going to look down on Christ-like people always going to look down on Christ like people. Therefore, our churches are probably not going to be highly respected by the world. Uh-huh. Making decisions we're not trying to force the world to disrespect us, but making decisions because we want the world to respect us, that's the wrong way to go. And that's that's what happens when we pursue this wealth versus poverty. When I look at the person, rather than making the snap judgment based on the clothes they wear, based on the grammar they use—that's, see, man, that's that's one for me, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the grammar they use. You mentioned the level of education, but but recognizing we're talking about people who are, who are having faith in Jesus, uh-huh. and and that's the key that we need to have. Anything you want to wrap up with here before prayer?
1: No, other than just the the idea we've continually emphasized. I'm looking at people, not judging based on what they look like. I'm saying, hey is this person going to receive the gospel? Is this person going to be fit for the kingdom? I share the gospel with them. Uh, I try to bring them in in that way, except those people in my life, doesn't matter what they look like. And that's that's the kind of thing we need to be doing. All right, take us out with a prayer. Yeah, of course. Lord or God, we thank you so much for this day. And Lord, we thank you so much for your word. It Some days it uh, can seem dull, but it, it always cuts to the heart. And we're reminded of that today and reminded of how it really pierces through the divisions of heart and spirit and shows, reveals the thoughts and intentions of our hearts, Lord, and at times the intentions of our heart can be very uh, worldly, and we um, pay respects to the wrong people and um, don't act as we should. And Lord, we pray that if this message today can impact us, can change us, to no longer look at people as the world sees people, but to look at people as you see them, people that can receive the gospel, people that desire to serve you. And if we can see through the um, outward appearance and see to the heart, just as you've seen, we pray that you can give us new hearts to be able to do that. Lord, we thank you so much for this message today and the time to be able to talk about this subject today. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at ChristiansMeetHere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song, you can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn um, about it more easily. Yeah, the thing Have that I was fantastic saying was: Be steady, pass the word
1: along. <laughs>
0: shout aloud: <laughs> Christ is captain of the mighty throne.